0: Welcome to Broadway World's Some Like a Pop Podcast. I am Matt Timonini, Broadway World senior TV and film critic. And as always, I am joined by the brains of our operation, Broadway World TV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief and birthday girl, Jennifer McHugh. (laughs) Jen, it's your birthday, and you're talking to me about the Tonys, so uh, (laughs) happy birthday,
1: It really speaks a lot about my choices in life, but thank you very much.
0: Yeah, and you had like a 17-hour workday before we got on. I on did, the- I
1: did. It is 9 p.m. West Coast time, midnight your time, so this is dedication.
0: Happy birthday. Don't do that. Okay. Um,
1: I was just going to ask you, do you know what the uh, musical that won the Tony Award the year you were born is?
0: I do not. I know what song was number one when I was born, but I don't know the musical.
1: Well, tell me what year you were born, and I'll tell you.
0: Uh, I was born in 1981.
1: Do you want to guess, or no?
0: No, go ahead, tell me.
1: It's 42nd Street.
0: Oh, I I actually probably would have guessed that. Do you know what mine is? I don't know what year you were born, so I'm going to say... um, (laughs) Be kind. uh, Showboat. Wow. Not that old? Okay, no. Let's see. um, Two Gentlemen of Verona. The
1: deep cut but no um it was very very close that was the year before i was a little night music
0: oh see i didn't know what year so i was pretty close all right very
1: close very close
0: all right well you can give jen a birthday present by following her on twitter at eponine q that's e-p-o-n-i-n-e-q and you can follow me at bww matt that's b-w-w-m-a-t-t my birthday's later this month so in case you were wondering you know you can Follow us both. Uh, you can also read us across various Broadway World sites. You can follow something Like It Pop on Twitter at SLIP Podcast. We still kind of suck at that. But if you follow us and tweet at us there, we'll respond, I promise. And by the way, uh, Betty Davis Ice was number one when I was born. Uh, not only can you find all episodes of Some Like It Pop on Broadwayworld.com, but you can also get new episodes downloaded automatically via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Also, if you don't hate us, rate and review the show so that Jen and I have something to make us feel good during our birth months. On this episode, we are breaking down the 70th annual Tony Awards from a pop culture perspective, as well as from a perspective of two theater lovers who live thousands of miles from Broadway. And as always, (laughs) we'll end the episode with some show and tell. Just so everyone knows, I did an episode of Today on Broadway with my co-host James Marino over on Broadway Radio just about 15 minutes after the Tonys ended on Sunday night. So if you want to hear us get into some more of the theatrically specific points, you can check that out in the Broadway Radio podcast feed or on BroadwayRadio.com. Okay, Jen, you are obviously a self-admitted Hamilton devotee, so I don't want to bury that lead too much. But before we get your take on the Hamiltonys... As a whole, cordon performances, Ham for Tonys, acceptance speeches, everything. Give me a letter grade and a sentence or two about your overall thoughts about the Tonys telecast.
1: A plus, best one ever.
0: Okay, well, um, I will give it a a low B, bordering on B minus, as we'll talk about a little later. There might be more than to that than meets the eye. But uh, in general, I thought the acceptance speeches were probably the best that I can remember. And other than the very generic opening number, I thought Corden did a great job. But only a couple of the show performances really moved me. So that's why I've got it at a B, bordering on B minus. But we'll get into that a little bit more as we talk about the different areas of the Tony Awards. gen. okay. And now- for me,
1: I will just say... That it's the first time that I've ever watched the Tonys that I enjoyed the entire broadcast more than any individual performance.
0: Okay, fair enough. Okay, it looks like we're starting at two different perspectives on this, so that's good. We always like it when we can disagree. So, Jen, what was your take on Hamilton's historic night, winning 11 Tonys, the second most in the awards history?
1: Well, I think it's kind of like, and I know our our listeners love when I use sports metaphors, <laughs> but it's kind of like the uh, 61 asterisk record in baseball to me. Um, they weren't eligible for the, the 16 they were nominated for because of multiple nominees in the categories, as well as in previous years, there were more categories. So it was a little, um, you know, They had a little bit of a disadvantage trying to go for that record. So I am very happy with what they won, and I was a little disappointed that they didn't get the 12 because I follow David Corin's on Instagram. He has great posts of his set designs, and I think he was really great. But I understand you got to spread the love around, but I was very happy for them. They deserved it.
0: Yeah, and just to be clear, the producers won 12 Tonys, and you're speaking of the fact that sound design is no longer a category that they could win. Just to be fair, the producers was not nominated and did not win in Best Sound Design. I'm not sure if in 2001 that category existed then either, so... There is some playing around with things, but you're right. It, it They did lose. I thought David Corns would win. I did not think that Leslie Odom Jr. would win. Not that he didn't deserve it. I thought, though, that as is often the case, that in that lead category, that two actors from the same show would kind of cancel each other out. Um, with Leslie Odom Jr. and Lenny Manuel Miranda, I thought Danny Burstein would kind of sneak up down the stretch. And win that one. he did not. Well, we'll get into the winners a little bit later. Um, Jen, there was like what four performances from the cast of Hamilton throughout the mm-hmm. night. First yeah. in the first in the opening number, <laughs> then on the street, then Battle of Yorktown, and then um a winner's ball Skylar at Sisters. the end. Yeah, Skyler Sisters Winners Ball at the end. So what did you think about their performances on the show?
1: Um, I thought the opening was great. I I loved they've rewritten that song a few times. I believe they did it for Sweeney Todd. I can't remember what it was for. It was for a benefit. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, it was it was Broadway Cares Equity fights AIDS Easter Bonnet competition.
1: Yeah, so they've played with that a little bit, and I think that that was a, a really fun thing to do, because of course you know when you have that sort of prolific mind, you can rewrite it six different ways to accommodate the setting. Um, the one outside, I, I, I have mixed feelings about the ham for hams outside. I, I appreciate the idea of it. I'm not sure about the execution of it, but it yeah. was cute. It was kind of a cool throw to the you know outside fans. So whatever. And the last one. Um, I feel like it was just a chance to get everybody up on stage and have a good time. There was no going into it, thinking that hamilton wasn 't the favorite and I remember when Book of Mormon was the favorite they they had a, a few multiple moments too, so you can 't ever say that the tonys don't uh you know err on the side of favoritism because sometimes yeah. they do
0: <laughs> yeah well, and what 's interesting you bring up Book of Mormon. That's a show that did have a lot of people nominated for different awards, but they chose to do a song that just featured one guy singing Mm -hmm. by himself, pretty much. It was, I believe, with Andrew Reynolds, who had a nice little (laughs) appearance or two in this Tony's. But I thought it was interesting that Hamilton went the complete opposite. Now, granted, they had two performance slots basically to do songs, so they were able to feature a lot of people, but. Battle of Yorktown featured a lot of the male-featured uh, performers. It, ironically, it did not feature Leslie Odom Jr. all that much. Uh, and then they had the chance at the end with the Skylar sisters to do more of the—to feature the some of the female-featured ones. You know, as I said on Today on Broadway, I know that this is going to be a very unpopular uh, opinion, especially with you, Jen, but— I thought that the Hamilton performances were good. I thought they were entertaining. I did think that a Winner's Ball or Skyler Sisters had some audio issues. Like I don't think, other than Renee, that the other two's mics were on at the beginning, and that led to some pitchy moments. But that's not a really a big deal. But overall, those performances didn't—they didn't change my life. Much like the performance of the opening number on the Grammys, it was good. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't—I mean, pardon the pun—it wasn't revolutionary. For me, I thought it was I thought it was good. It didn't bowl me over like I was hoping seeing more of the actual show would.
1: Well, a few things. <laughs> first of <laughs> all, it the ending was the Skylar Sisters. It wasn't a winner's ball. I'm just gonna be a purist.
0: Didn't uh that first part where Leslie nope, That's in the, the middle one? of the song. Oh, he comes okay. right
1: up to her and says, Excuse me, miss, that's right in the middle of Skylar Sisters.
0: Okay. I apologize then.
1: know anytime i can correct you yeah um i have i have so few expert categories um as for the performance you know i i i will never tell you you're wrong because of your opinion because i I like that we don't agree on everything um but i i don't agree because i believe that the song that they chose was the right choice and the reason is I thought it was a very brave and very selfless thing for him to choose a number that featured the ensemble and the choreography. There's so many acting nominees from that company. I mean, Leslie could have stood up there and belted out Wait For It and brought down the house. The Schuyler sisters could have done the same thing. David could have showed everybody guns and ships and blew their minds. That's so easy. But in the show, like, that moment it's such a build that when it does happen, it's explosive. So I understand why you'd be like, it was fine in the show. I think it'll, it'll be more effective. However, featuring the choreography, which I think, and we'll touch on it later, that was kind of a surprise for Andy to pull that win out, but his choreography is brilliant. And I'm glad that he featured that because it's really important to the show. It drives the story. And to feature the unsung heroes, the ensemble, I just, I loved that he did that. I loved it. And Hercules Mulligan, who actually got yeah. to have a moment, you know, Yeah. and, you know, Lynn and, and David are in it, but it's really about the ensemble and the dancing. And I thought that was awesome.
0: That's a really um, good, that's a really good point. Cause I had not considered it from that perspective. I thought it was, you know, I approached it as getting as many of the male featured performers a chance to, to get a little bit in the spotlight, but you're right. When you take a step back that really is a dance number. There's some singing in it, and all those featured guys get their moment. But that really is about the choreography. So that's a good point. That does put it into a different perspective for me.
1: The other thing is, and you know, we would be remiss without mentioning the events that led up to that day because it, yeah. everyone was clearly heartbroken. And they chose to remove the guns, which was the right choice unarguably however i think the guns bring a lot to that performance because of the way they use it in the choreography and the lighting now i'm not saying that that lessens the performance and that the decision altered it in any way but i think it is more effective with the guns they made the right choice but i think it does add something
0: yeah well and we'll talk about that here in a second that's something i want to want to mention but i i I think you're absolutely right It, it What it does is it changes the context of that song. And as you mentioned a second ago, seeing the song out of the context of the larger show also changes its impact as well. So I think there are a few things working against it in terms of impact, both because we aren't seeing what leads up to it in the course of the narrative, but also when you remove the muskets from that song, it really takes the, the idea of the battle out of it and it muddies what that choreography is. So I think those are good points. I think one of the reasons that it didn't impact me as much is part of the context. And, and kind of moving from there, obviously, Jen, as you mentioned, the Tonys occurred just about 18 hours after the largest mass shooting in our nation's history. And as regular listener, listeners will know, I, I live in Orlando. It's been a pretty rough week down here, first on Saturday with the murder of Christina Grimmy after a concert that she did here, then the horrific terrorist attack at the Pulse nightclub on Sunday morning. And then we're recording this on Wednesday. Just yesterday, uh, last night, a two-year-old was killed by an alligator at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. So it's been it's been pretty rough down here in Central Florida. So as I was getting ready to cover the Tonys for Broadway World, honestly, uh, the, the last thing that I wanted to do was write articles and live blog about a party celebrating people pretending to be someone else. Uh, you know, other than going to the grocery store on Sunday – I just watched local and national news up until about 4 p.m. when I kind of had to start working. The the first thing that I did was I put together an article that included tweets from Broadway stars sending their love and thoughts to the victims, to their families and all of Central Florida and to the LGBTQ community as a whole, since Pulse Nightclub is primarily a, a gay bar. And as I did that, and then I moved into to covering the red carpet, and I saw all of these genuinely loving and giving and compassionate people, uh, it it did start to turn my mood around to the point where by the time the broadcast started, I'm not going to say that I was in it as much as I would have been or as much as I have been in the past, but I do think that that colors my appreciation for the night as a whole. I'm not a native Floridian. I've only been here for a few years and I am not, you know, other than covering theater here, I'm not really a part of the Orlando community, but it's still knowing that it's just you know, a few miles, 10 miles from my house, it, 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 it's, it's impactful. So when we went into the cold open, and James Corden um, was standing with his, you know, with his back to the to the rest of the Beacon Theater, and you saw all of these hundreds and over a thousand, two thousand people. And you could feel the love and compassion coming from that room to everyone that was impacted by this senseless tragedy. It, it was really, really moving for me. And, and, I don't know that I would have felt the same way about the show as a whole if this event hadn't happened. I, I don't I can't tell you one way or the other. But for me, I think that opening moment really allowed people to say, okay, today sucks. I mean, the last, you know, twenty-four hours have been horrific. But these are people who are loving people. Theater people are loving people. And and we can celebrate them with something that's a distraction. So we don't have to think about the horrific things that we've been focusing on for the last 16 hours.
1: And it's funny that you say that because I, I feel the same way, but I think I reacted the opposite way. Because I was feeling so horrible and to see that kind of support and him standing literally with a crowd of thousands behind him saying, you're not alone, was so emotional. I fell in love with him right there and he kept it up and he put on literally a brave face. He's like, I have to be here for these people right now to make them smile. And that made me love the show even more. And to tie it back into Hamilton, I think –
0: Because everything ties into (laughs) Hamilton for you.
1: (laughs) I could tie anything to Hamilton. But in that performance, I feel like Lynn's emotion played a part in that. I think he was visibly shaken up the entire night, as you could see in his speech and when watching his fellow actors accept their awards. But I think in his performance, saying those words in a battle with guns, I think he was visibly affected. And that's what made it really emotional for me because – his voice almost shook at the point when he said freedom for America because it was almost to me like he was saying freedom for America and this is how you treat your freedom. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I'm reading into it but that's how I felt and it was really emotional and it hit the notes for me and granted, I have seen it. So contextually, I know where it's sure. coming from but it worked on every level for me. I was so incredibly proud of them.
0: If I wasn't in my trying to communicate my emotion, I wasn't clear. I... Uh, th- the Tonys as a whole and the giving nature of the Broadway community really helped change my mood, and I appreciated it. It didn't solve all of the emotions that I was going through, but it, it definitely helped. But I agree. I thought James Corden, from that moment forward, did a great job. I thought the opening number was kind of generic and kind of a retread of what we'd seen done much better with Lynn's lyrics and uh, and Neil Patrick Harris doing the "We Are That Kid" from a few years ago. I thought that was a better version of what we saw this year. But overall, it was a nice opening. I thought it was a, a little wandering and a little unmelodic, but it was well delivered. And I thought there were some really great bits. You know, we didn't see too too much of Corden. He came in, did his little things. He didn't try to do any huge long things. I mean, I think the longest bit we had was like the Law and Order thing, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought the accounting firm thing where they have to be on stage for 15 seconds and he just stands there was great. The only thing that I really didn't understand, and it's not that I didn't like it, was I was disappointed that they effectively, it was a kind of a different cut, but they re-aired the carpool karaoke. I have no problem with them doing the carpool karaoke there, but if you're going to do that, they did um you'll be back but then why did we see more of guns and chips and then we did one day more if you're going to do that again why not do different songs you can have those same people in the car just do some other songs why do a rerun of what we saw on monday nights you know late late show or get some more broadway specific people in there i mean those are all broadway people obviously but they are known to the wider pop culture you know get some of the more broadway specific people to do a tonys only episode so that was a little disappointing but other than that i thought james really equated himself well to his first american awards show hosting job
1: i think he is dynamic and i mean to be fair this is a cbs commercial and that bit was shot for the tonys they aired it on his show it went viral but there were people I knew that watched the Tonys that hadn't seen it. And I think that was the effect. I agree with you that maybe they should have just driven around another block and did some more. Yeah. You know, why not? But I think that the entire point of it was to do it for the Tonys. So, I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, it's marketing for CBS.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you're right. Maybe if they shot it for the Tonys and said, hey, this would be a really good way to get people to watch the Tonys by putting it on the Late Late Show rather than in reverse, um, that could be. I was just – it just felt like – a wasted opportunity to show something different. Um, but either way, those carpool karaoke's are almost always great. They're, no matter who's in the car, they cars, get better. So. They
1: get better every. The, I watched the Red Hot Chili Peppers one this morning. I haven't and watched I it yet. Crying. I don't. I don't care about the Red Hot Chili Peppers at all, and they were hilarious. <laughs> so I highly recommend.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's go from that quasi filmed performance to the performances of the shows. Both the what do we call? I mean, they're not technically ham for hams, are they? Ham for Tonys? Whatever they are, the street performances. Let's talk about let's talk about those first. Then we'll get into the show performances. Jen, you kind of mentioned at the top of the show what you thought of those, but just a little more detail in, into maybe some that you liked, into some that you didn't, or just in general, why do you think they didn't land as well as they could have?
1: it was just bizarre it felt like it was it was a little chaotic you know these people ran out they sang 10 seconds of a very well known show tune and by the time you like got adjusted and realized what they were singing we were singing singing we were in commercial so it was just a little bit jarring either i thought they should do a little bit longer or i, I don't know the solution i so so appreciate the idea and again another tribute to hamilton so i'm always going to be on board Shocking. but I don't know. It, it felt a little
0: off kilter for me. Yeah, I, I, I think we're on the same page there. It's a great idea. I love the idea of, of Broadway folks celebrating the heritage of the musical theater because – and not just musical theater, because it, but you're not going to get up there and do a speech from, you know, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. But <laughs> I think that goes into the – it ties in well to the opening number that a lot of the people who were nominated, who were in those shows, who are performing – grew up loving theater in ways that is not what normal kids grow up with. And the fact that they could get up there and celebrate that and to show that I went from being the kid who memorized these cast albums, whether they were on vinyl, 8-track, cassette tape, CD, MP3, whatever they are, um, it was a nice moment. But I do feel like it was underserved by being like, you know, three measures. You know, give them 16 bars at least, you know, let them let them do something so we can actually appreciate it. I know it is a TV show, so it's all about time and granted they blew right through their the normal time schedule, but that seemed like it was by design. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed. None of them really seemed all that incredible to me other than the first one. <laughs> the first <laughs> one to me was pretty impressive because if you combined the net worth of the people on that little mini stage, you've <laughs> Andrew got Andrew Lloyd ver-
1: Webber on the tambourine.
0: Yeah, you've got a gross domestic product of, of a number of, of countries in the world with Lin Manuel Miranda, Sarah Bareilles, Glenn Slater, Edie Burkell, Steve Martin, and as you said, Andrew Lloyd Webber on the tambourine. That was pretty cool. So That's I love the idea. Cool. I hope that in the future they're able to do something like that, but a little more effective. Now, for the show performances, we've talked about the Hamilton ones, so Jen, you love them. I was okay for them, but other than Hamilton, what what stood out to you as something that you haven't seen any of these shows, I haven't seen any of these shows, what was something to you that stood out as really getting you interested in a show that you didn't really maybe know a whole lot about?
1: Well, I know for a fact we're going to disagree on this, but I will (laughs) say... The Tonys overall are an embarrassment of riches, and I am so happy to have this one night where I can see all these performances, and the weakest one still blows my mind. (laughs) So for me, and I know you'll disagree with this, I really want to see School of Rock.
0: No, you're not going to get an argument from me. I
1: I thought that was remarkable. Those kids are incredible. They had the best energy. It was so positive, so fun. I love that movie and I thought they captured the spirit of it amazingly and it just looks like a great time and I was from the second the lights came up, I was like, I want to see the show.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right about the kids being really impressive. Alex Brightman is a remarkable talent. And if you would see him from the time he was cast to now, he works so hard in that show. He has lost so much weight. He eats about 4,000 calories a day to try to keep the weight on to to mirror the schlubby Jack Black look. But he just can't (laughs) do it because he works so damn hard. That song itself, I think, is... It doesn't go anywhere. It's very melodically the same throughout. That's not a knock on the kids. It's a knock on Andrew Lloyd Webber, where it's just the same thing for a long stretch of time. But it is a really exciting number. It's really catchy. It's got a nice hook. The kids are great. But I do think that one was really good. What's interesting to me is is that that's the one they let off with, is that that was the first musical performance. I'm kind of surprised by that, because it's not necessarily one that has a whole lot of star power. It is one that has a a star as a writer and Julian fellows, who is the writer and creator of Downton Abbey did write the book. And it's got a name of a movie that people know, but it's not one of those shows that when you think of the Broadway season, you think school of rock, it opened in December, you know, so I was kind of surprised, but good for them. So yeah, I like that one. I'm not going to argue what else, what else came to mind for you?
1: All right, well, here, I think, is where you're going to disagree with me. With the exception of, you know, the Godlike Hamilton and School of Rock, I wasn't interested in any of the other new musicals. Really? Yeah, I was all about the revivals. Spring Awakening, it started out here, and I tried to see it when it was out here. Fiddler, again, the same thing with uh, Hamilton, really featured the dancers in the ensemble. Respect. Um, She Loves Me, I... I'm in love with every person in that cast, and I want to be best friends with them. And Jane Krakowski is inhuman, and I don't know how she exists. She's remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> and the color purple—I have no words for what that woman did. I can't even take it.
0: <laughs> Cynthia Erivo. Yes. Okay. Well, let's go through these these uh, these revivals. Spring Awakening. I'm on record as I just don't get that show. I was love it. I was shocking. Uh, it's something about teenage angst that that is so up your alley. in oh my not god, that's up my mine. favorite thing. I know. <laughs> um, to me, I've never really enjoyed the show. When I saw the national tour, the original national tour, I was like, "Hey, that's got a lot of energy. I like the concept. I like the." The choreography, I like the stage, uh, scenic design, everything else I could do without. I was, but I was really excited and moved by the concept of this deaf West production. Where, if you don't know, it is a cast of part part of the cast is is hearing, part of the cast is deaf, and they not only do incredible choreography by Spencer Liff, but they also integrate ASL American Sign Language into the choreography as well. And for the actors who who are deaf, they have other actors and musicians who provide the voices for them while they're signing. So I I was blown away by the idea and the concept. The song that they did, "Bitch of Living," it just it One did nothing. Faves. It did nothing for me. I thought it was not a good showcase, and it could also be partially. I don't. I mean, this is a a, a side reason because I just didn't enjoy the song. I love Krista Rodriguez, who literally sat on a chair the entire number just on the side of the stage. And we almost never saw her. So I would have loved to see her do some more. Um, in terms of Fiddler on the Roof, I love that show. That number did nothing for me. Um, she loves me. I'm like you. Everyone on that stage, I absolutely adore. If I had a top three list of People that I've never met in my life that I could that I would be willing to marry sight unseen, Laura Benanti would be in that top three, if not at the <laughs> top. So that you're not going to get an argument from me there. But when you have odd medleys like that, it, it's it loses something. I will agree with you though that the color purple and Cynthia Erivo was a shaking, jarring, awe-inspiring performance. That I don't. I, we'll talk about. It's one of my two favorite performances of the night. I don't necessarily have a top one, but Cynthia Erivo, I thought, was ungodly amazing. For the for the new shows, we talked about Hamilton. We talked about School of Rock. I really wanted to love Shuffle Along, and I really enjoyed I, the choreography. But and I love all those people, but it was just a <laughs> meh number for me. Um, Bright Star, <laughs> eh. <laughs> um, Carmen Carmen Cusack who who was who sang that song I I think she's in uh, got an amazing voice and she showed why she's kind of been one of the breakout stars of the season but that performance Meh for me waitress the first which is the opening like that that opening up that that part was fine I was really disappointed when Sarah Bareilles came out because I was like oh I love Sarah Bareilles but why is she taking time away from the cast. Then when Jesse Mueller came back on in a different costume, it made sense and I was fine with it. I thought to me, Jesse Mueller was up there with Cynthia Erivo in this in the last third of the waitress number um, and doing the song. She used to be mine. I was blown away by her. I'm always blown away by Jesse Mueller. But those were the two for me, the two best performances of the night.
1: Yeah, I wanted to love waitress. Um, I will say hi, Carrie Russell, who had a baby a week ago. Are you kidding dude, me,
0: dude? She, um, yeah, for, for for being a week or two, or whatever it was, from having a kid, she looked damn good.
1: She looked ridiculous. I'm like, come on, Felicity. Like, give it the rest of us a chance.
0: <laughs>
1: but um, I want. I love that movie so much. But that performance did nothing for me. I thought she's she's a great voice, you know, but. After the color purple, seeing a girl with a great voice tear the stage up and then seeing a girl with a great voice sing a great, you know, sing well. Oh,
0: I thought I she just, did an amazing job with that. It acting just didn't do
1: it. It just didn't do it for me. No. I I'm not ruling it out. You know, I love the movie. I love the story. I think it's adorable. But I think, like I said, it's an embarrassment of riches. You know, if you go and you see a performance like that and you're like, it's OK, you know, you watch Hamilton, you're like, it's all right. How lucky we are to be alive right now. That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And do you think there's any chance that in the back of the Beacon Theater, Elizabeth and Gabriel made a dead drop?
1: (laughs) I know in your fantasy world that that's true. And I know that all the Broadway people are listening right now are like, what the hell is he talking about?
0: I'm just saying it could be. Now, (laughs) Jen, you did have a 17-hour workday, so you might not know this. So I'm going to break some news to you right now that I think you'll be very happy about. It was announced uh, today, Thursday, actually, technically it's yesterday. I mean, since it's past midnight where I am, but on June 30th, Broadway HD, the new theater specific streaming site will be live streaming a performance of She Loves Me. So I did know
1: that, but I'm very excited about it. Um, I do have Broadway alerts sent to my phone and my bosses don't appreciate it, but they just have to live with it. Um, (laughs) But that is so exciting because it gives everybody to see the the original cast and Jane Krakowski do splits and Laura Benanti hit that note in ice cream. And that's very exciting.
0: Yeah. We talk about the reason these things don't happen is because they don't want to discourage people from buying tickets. She Loves Me closes. It's a limited run. It closes on July 10th, so it's really not going to hurt tickets now. And just one thing, it's not technically the original cast from Tony because Tony winner Michael McGraw left the cast in May under odd circumstances. It's a little weird. No one really understands why. But other than that, the main cast is, is pretty fantastic, and I will be watching the hell out of that thing.
1: Me too. And let's give props to Chuck Bartowski for getting up there. And holding his own with those Broadway legends.
0: Yeah, seriously, between singing between Gavin Creel and Laura Benanti, and doing a pretty good job. He cracked, I think, once, but I I can I can forgive him for that. It is live theater. But dude was pretty good. Zachary Levi was was not Zachary Levi.
1: I said Chuck Bartowski didn't. Yeah, no, that's his name. (laughs) I didn't even mean that.
0: You, I thought you were following my lead with Elizabeth and Gabriel. And, uh, I
1: totally wasn't. I totally didn't even think about it. I, of course, mean Zachary Levi. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. He's Chuck. He's Chuck.
1: 13-hour workday, guys.
0: Yeah. Did you did you happen to see the picture of him and Matt Bomer backstage uh, that he tweeted out?
1: Yes, of him because he was – um, what's his name? His roommate.
0: He was his roommate who originally Bryce. gave him – the Bryce, who originally gave him the intercept yeah. in Chuck and was – uh, Yvonne Sarah's boyfriend originally. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I, that I loved that one. So, okay. So overall, we, we disagreed on some of them, but it really comes down to taking Hamilton out of the equation for obvious reasons. We both th- thought that the color purple was the best performance of the night, right?
1: Yeah. Uh I thought she left everything on that stage and the word she was saying I'm right here is that was yeah. was that the lyric? Yeah, I'm here. In in yeah. that moment in that with that emotion with everything that was happening, I thought it just tore the room apart.
0: Yeah. Well, and going from that into the, talking about the winners, it It was fairly well known that Cynthia Eriva was probably going to win the best lead actress in a musical, despite the fact that she was up against some amazing talents. Tony winners, you know, Laura Benanti and Jesse Mueller, also up against uh, Philippa Sue from Hamilton and Carmen Cusack, who I mentioned from Bright Star. But almost I don't. I haven't gone back. I didn't look at that when I was watching the performances, but I'm pretty sure that as soon as they named Cynthia Erivo as the winner, every other woman in that category either stood up or started clapping incredibly enthusiastically because I think everyone else in that category understands that even though Cynthia Erivo was making her Broadway debut, that she is not only a special talent, but she seems to be just an unbelievable loving and caring and generous and respectful person. And I think even though she's a British actress who um, is known m- m- not prim- not only but m- uh, primarily for doing classical works, for doing Shakespeare over in the West End, I think she has become a Broadway heavyweight that we're going to be seeing a lot from in years to come.
1: And she's standing on the stage with Heather Headley.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know that's a good point. You know,
1: and Jennifer Hudson. She wasn't in the performance, but she's on the stage with powerhouses and she it, it was amazing it was oh, it was such a good night
0: <laughs> well and then going in from that and and it shows what a genuine human being she is because she was one of the people that gave just an incredibly lovely acceptance speech and we didn't really talk about this in the Hamilton section, but because there were so many Hamilton people that won, we heard of a, a lot of Hamilton acceptance speeches. We'll we'll save Lynn for a separate discussion here in just a second because his is kind of in its own category. But between David, Leslie, Alex Lacamoire, um, and for me, my personal favorite of this group, Tommy Kale's speeches, I thought they were just – it just showed that not only are they – you know, doing great work with that show, but they just seem like they're good dudes and they're people who really care about the work and they really care about each other and they care about what they're putting out in the world. So while I would have loved a Mark Rylance blank verse (laughs) kooky acceptance speech or, or, you know, somebody to do something weird. It's really hard for me to argue with most of the acceptance speeches of the night because tinged with the emotion of Orlando A lot of them were serious and were reflective, and it really made a difference. It really showed how genuinely human theater performances are compared to the stiff, wooden, uncomfortable, self-aggrandizing speeches we get from things like the Oscars.
1: They were, and there were so few people— listing names, you know, and, and the people that did, they were looking around the room saying, thank you, sir. Thank you. Not my agents, my managers, my producers, (laughs) my publicists. And it did feel more genuine. I also have to mention Leslie, who I thought was incredibly stoic and um, dignified when he was thanking everybody. He, he looked like he was genuinely overwhelmed as well as Renee, who I thought was just adorable. I will get off Hamilton. The thing that, that moved Hmm. me the most was Franklin Jella. Yeah. I thought just as a heralded actor and his presence and his dignity and how he took that moment, you know, to be so to say all the right things. And there was, the, I've never heard a room so silent with that many people. It was just a beautiful moment.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about Frank Langella's speech again here in a minute, but um, it was remarkable. I, I, he is undoubtedly one of the greatest actors of the 20th and 21st centuries, both on stage and, and on screen. Uh, He is an icon. And one of the things I was doing on Tony Night is I was one of the live bloggers over at Broadway World. And after his speech, I I don't remember what I wrote, but I wrote something in the live blog. And my boss, our CEO, wrote back and said, if you like that speech, you've got to read his book. So I now have it from Amazon. It's on its way. He has um, his first memoir, so to speak. There's another one apparently coming out as well. But I didn't really know a whole lot about him other than he was with Whoopi Goldberg for 20 years. Um, Oh,
1: I did not know that.
0: Oh, yeah. Before Ted Danson, that him and uh, Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) were in a relationship for 20 years. Um, But he just – what an amazing speech to talk about um, his brother who was going through – dementia and Alzheimer's like his character is in the, in in the play, the father that he won for, and then talking about his family and then transitioning into talking about Orlando. To me, it was the most moving because it was so heartfelt and, and so poignant. I don't want to say much more about it because I'm going to mention it here again later. So it was my favorite acceptance speech, not because I didn't love Lynn's sonnet, but it seemed to me that even though Frank Langella had some cards, it did seem a little more off the cuff and, and a little more impromptu, where Lynn obviously had to write a sonnet. So he, he probably put a little more thought into it. But, but Jen, what did you think of, of, of Lin's acceptance speech? We didn't get a freestyle wrapped one like we have in the past, because as he said, he's too old for that. Um, but what did you think about his, his sonnet speech?
1: I think Lynn is, is good at reading The Room, and it wasn't the time for that, too. Um, you you say he had put a lot of thought into it. I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote it right beforehand because that's just <laughs> Could be the too. way he is. Yeah. Um, I, I, But, of course, I loved it. It was beautiful. And if I take him out of it, I think my favorite speech was – and I don't know his name.
0: <laughs> I'll get you. Even, I got you.
1: Ivan Van Hova. E-
0: Evo Van Hove.
1: Yes, that guy.
0: Yeah, the, he won for best director of a play for the revival of Arthur Miller's Review from the Bridge.
1: Yes. Um, I thought his speech was quite eloquent as well. And like you had stated before, I don't think there was a really one where I was like, oh, okay, get off the stage. <laughs> like never once. And 90% of the speeches at the Oscars and the Yummies, I'm like, oh, my God, can we move along?
0: Yeah, No, you're right. I, I think it shows – Again, it part of that is because of what had happened earlier in the day, but I think the vast majority of that is because there's a, a marked difference between the performers that work primarily in theater and the actors who work primarily in film. And that's not saying anything against film. Jen, you and I love us some movies and some TV, but there is just a different essence to what being a stage actor is to being a screen actor because of how the collaborative nature of theater is you have to be less about yourself than you do in a movie where it's all about hitting your mark. It's about doing something over and over till you get it right. Just the nature of that work is more for lack of a better word, selfish. And, and I think when it comes to speeches like that, when you're making a gazillion dollars, a film, you got a shit ton of people you got to thank. So I understand thinking this, the, the agents and all that stuff. But when it comes to a, an awards show for theater people, it's about thanking your collaborators, and, and I think that really showed through, and I think that was one of the strongest parts uh, of the Tony broadcast. I agree. Yeah. All right. So did any? what did you think of any of the presenters? I was pretty impressed that the majority of the presenters were theater people. Some of the, the numbers were introduced by people who weren't necessarily theater people, like our beloved <laughs> Carrie Russell, and the... Obama's? Uh, Well, that's a little different. They can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, POTUS and FLOTUS can can show up wherever they want, but then you had... I mean, I understand why, because she was in You've Got Mail, but Meg Ryan... Okay. But other than that, the presenters were all theater people, and I appreciated that, even though someone like Claire Danes is obviously a TV star who also does theater, and, uh, you know, uh, Marley Matlin is a Oscar-winning actress who happened to be in a Broadway show this year, having to make her Broadway debut, that's fine. But these are people who have strong connections to the theater. They didn't roll out a bunch of, you know, CBS sitcom stars. We weren't getting a, an award presented by Kevin James because he's got a new sitcom airing on CBS this fall. You know, Kevin so I, I was very... Wait. Yeah, Kevin can wait. Oh. What a terrible name. But, um, but you know, I, I was very happy about that. It, it, was, it was very nice. I think it was very conscientious of the producers of cbs whoever that was to allow theater to be the star
1: i agree and even like sometimes when like people walked out i'm like that's an odd choice and they're like coming soon to broadway in the fall of i'm like oh cool they're gonna be doing a show
0: yeah and uh yeah pretty much everybody other than the ones we mentioned carrie russell and, and meg ryan has either broadway credits to their name or are coming back to broadway like Kate Blanchett's coming back to Broadway. Diane Lane's coming back to Broadway for like the first time in like thirty years. But yeah, so pretty cool.
1: It was funny, like I was saying with the spoil you know, spoils of riches, and I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I was thinking, oh, it would be really cool if Jack Black introduced School of Rock. Oh, I guess yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber will do. And then yeah. I thought, Oh, it'll be really cool if King George introduces Hamilton. Oh, the Obamas, that works too like it was always above my expectations.
0: Yeah, or throw in Academy Award-winning rapper Common as as yeah. well. You know, it, so they got two introductions. I did think it was a little a little weird that Shuffle Long did not get an introduction, but Hamilton got two. But, you know, when you got the Obamas dropping in for a uh, for a video sure. package, what do you, what are you going to do? Oh, and by the way, before we move on to show and tell, how cool was it to see James Earl Jones and Angela Lansbury back on stage together. That's that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Angela Lansbury at the age of 90 coming back to Broadway this season.
1: Amazing. Um, Before we get to show and tell, I was just going to ask you if you were surprised by anything or if you were disappointed in anything
0: award wise, award wise. No, because other than, other than the creative ones, the design ones, um, I got a lot of those. I got a number of those wrong. Other than that, And Danny Burstein, which I mentioned earlier, I got them all right. Like, I, they were – and I'm not saying that because I know everything. I'm saying that because that was kind of the critical consensus. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. kind of knew who was following the awards that that's what it would be. Um, I guess I was a little surprised that Chuck Schumer got a shout-out, you know, and he was there in the audience. (laughs) So, yay Chuck Schumer for getting some tax breaks for Broadway. But other than that, not really. I mean, um, I'm trying to think – I mean, the fact that Jessica Lang still looks like.
1: Jessica Lang?
0: Yeah, still looks like Jessica Lang, however old she is, and, you know, in her late 60s. And, oh, yes, here's the one thing that surprised me. Otter McDonald is 46 years old, pregnant, and kicked above her head in the shuffle along performance. That,
1: that did happen.
0: <laughs> it did. I watched it again today just to make sure that I didn't hallucinate. 46, yeah. pregnant, and kicking above her head.
1: So that's cool. You know, when I call in sick because my right arm hurts, I'm going to think of that.
0: Yeah. Seriously, and NPH and, and has a shaved head. That was kind of surprising.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that he, you know, mentioned that because everybody was like, oh, uh, what's going on there? Does but, he cancer? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. of course. Yeah. Um, right. The only All thing right. I was going to say is that i um surprised what I think the choreography and, and the lighting oh, yeah, were honestly yeah. for me. The most important things for them to win, because I think that they were both incredible and they had a fierce competition. And I was so happy just in that commercial break when they're like, oh, by the way, for choreography, Andy Blankenbuehler won. I was like, oh, thank God, because of the bullet. That's all I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. I know you know what it is, but I really want you to experience it.
0: Yeah, but the bullet's a friend of yours. So let's.
1: That's true. (laughs) I didn't even
0: think of that you know, (laughs) she's a family friend. So, you know, whatever. (laughs) But that is that honestly is one that we've even talked about that we thought they might not win because of how beloved um, Savion Glover is. And and so it it was interesting that that is actually one that they won. um, Because honestly, I that is one that I did not count in their their category um, when I was counting down how many I thought they'd win.
1: Yeah, I was just really happy about that and the lighting as well. So, um, and and you had said that the carpool karaoke thing seemed unnecessary to you. And for me, it was the Chicago moment. I am not a B.B. Newworth fan. I like on Cheers. I don't like her on stage. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't. I, it's just, just, you're always going to have that one person that everyone adores and thinks is wonderful. She's mine. What? I. <laughs> We'll have the Sondheim talk another time because I know you'll go off on me about that, but...
0: Oh. (laughs) You don't like B.B. Newworth or Sondheim? This is is going bad. We'll
1: save it for another episode.
0: We need to abort this quickly. All right. (laughs) Per the use, we are going to end this episode of Some Like It Pop with a little show and tell where we auditorily show you something and tell you why it fascinates us. Jen, I'll I'll start because I've already mentioned it. Uh, to me, what I was going to show and tell was Frank Langella's uh, acceptance speech. Um, as I said at the beginning, this whole Tony Sunday had a had a dark cloud over it for me. Uh, not only because, like it did for many people, because of the tragedy, but because of how um, close in and physical proximity it was to me. It was tough for me to get through. You know, being happy about seeing Auda McDonald kick over her head. You know, I mean, it it was difficult. So to hear Frank Langella's truly genuine, heartfelt words um, was really touching. And as somebody who is an actor that I've respected for a long time and someone who, as you know, we watch regularly on The Americans, um, it was really touching and really moving to hear that speech. So let's let's listen to a little bit of Frank Langella's acceptance speech.
2: When I first came to New York in 1960 from school I consulted an astrologer who told me that my greatest successes would come late in my career I thought she meant 30 (laughs) But the fact of the matter is there really is no late in an actor's career there's just the journey and there's just now so it's rather ironic that I should be honored with this award for playing a man who's losing his now, who's losing his reality, as indeed my dear brother Andrew is at the moment. I, um, there are so many names I wrote down today to thank you, but I hope they will forgive me if I bring in a dose of true reality what happened today in Orlando. And I, uh, I found some words that I think will mean more to you than a litany of names. When something bad happens, we have three choices. We let it define us, we let it destroy us, or we let it strengthen us. Today in Orlando we had a hideous dose of reality and I urge you Orlando to be strong because I'm standing in a room full of the most generous human beings on earth and we will be with you every step of the way.
1: Yes as I've already mentioned it was it was one of the most moving things and I think he's one of, you know, the greatest actors working today. And it was just such a beautiful moment. I'm choking up just listening to it again.
0: Yeah. All right, Jen, what do you got for us?
1: Well, you mentioned the Law & Order montage before, which I thought was such a great moment because I feel like that's such a staple in New York, especially with theater Mm -hmm. actors who need money. But (laughs) I think my favorite moment of the night (laughs) was James Corden's introduction of Barbara Streisand. I thought... It was just great the way he was trying to prep the room, and he <laughs> himself couldn't even deal with the fact that she was there. Granted, he you know he's a showman, and he uh, you know was was playing it up. But I think that that really ended the the evening on a high note, and everyone felt that way. You know, lot, m- the majority of people worship her. There there are some haters. You know, she's she's some people's BB earth. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's a longtime hero of mine and my mother's, and his reaction I just thought was hilarious. So it's, it's really quick, but I just thought we would play that.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Our next presenter was last on the Broadway stage in 1964, but it's clear that Broadway never left her. She has recorded and released 195 Broadway songs, not including her upcoming album, which contains 14 more. Now, I should tell you, there are medical staff standing by... For the many of you that, on hearing her name, may collapse. To be honest, That's from himself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Barbara Streisand. One thing that I can say for sure about James Corden is that he is not asthmatic. I can tell <laughs> by the way he. I can tell by the way he took that uh, that hit of albuterol, being a a an asthmatic for 31 years i know he did not fully breathe that into his bronchial tubes so uh that was just a prop so uh
1: that's such a a director comment
0: yeah well you know it happens (laughs) and the only other thing i'll say about barbara is how many people do you think waited around all night as they kept teasing her and she's at the very end how many people do you think were really unhappy that she didn't actually sing
1: was she rumored to sing i I never heard that she was singing
0: no, but I think when people say coming up, we've got performances from She Loves Me, Hamilton, and also Barbara Streisand. Like I don't think they said it or even implied that she was singing, but I think it's the Tony Awards. The assumption is that Barbara Streisand is going to sing. So I think there are probably a number of people because I know because my dad and mom said to me, "What? They I, they didn't watch it live, but because uh, that was way past their bedtime." At you know, 4.05 in the morning when it finally finished. But they texted him. My dad was like, what? Barbara Streisand didn't sing? So uh, <laughs> I think there are probably some people of a certain generation who were disappointed.
1: The other thing I was going to mention is that I believe they released that it is the highest rated Tony's broadcast in 15 years, did they say? Fif-
0: 15 years. It In the key demographic between 18 and 49, it Uh, was up 60% over last year, and it was the largest in terms of total viewers. Last I saw, it was at about 8.64 off the top of my head, million viewers, um, which is the largest in 15 years. Obviously, that has a lot to do with Hamilton, but what's what's also impressive, and and Jan, you know this, in 15 years, the landscape of broadcast television has changed tremendously, so that's Mm -hmm. actually like, when I mean, you talk about Hollywood box offices, you have to adjust for inflation. You really have to adjust for deflation in terms of ratings because 15 years ago in, in 2001, there were not nearly as many cable networks and B, not nearly as many people who had cable to be watching something else. So that's even more impressive that it outdid every year going back that far. So kudos to them. I don't see. Any possible way that next year is able to repeat those numbers because it won't have the, the juggernaut of Hamilton to to push it through. But nonetheless, it was a really good way. And anytime you can get more eyeballs on something theater related, as far as I'm concerned, that's a win.
1: I agree, and I am not discrediting Hamilton in any way because I think it's the greatest thing ever. I think you got to give a little props to James Corden on that because he has become a bit of a viral sensation with these carpool karaokes and other skits he does. And I think that that, in CBS's favor, worked for them a little bit. I think people are really enjoying him, and they said, I'm going to tune in and see what he's made of as a host.
0: And I would not be surprised if we see a run from him like we had from Neil Patrick Harris, if he is is kind of the the annual host for a while now.
1: I agree. I I mean, I'm all for it. I love seeing guys who are famous for TV and movies getting up there and being like, yeah, but really, I'm a Broadway guy. I love that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, he he is a Tony winner, uh, so he, he does have a Tony under his belt. And speaking of which. If you haven't seen, if you didn't get to see James Corden in either his first Broadway show, The History Boys, or in his Tony-winning role of One Man, Two Governors, they are the National Theater Live from London, where One Man, Two Governors um, originated, is going to be streaming that into movie theaters. Let me grab this piece of paper because uh, I have it written down here. One Man, Two Governors is going to be streamed in movie theaters at 7 p.m. local time on June 21st. So if you want to see what he's like on stage, check that out. I will be there. I did not see him in that, but I saw a regional production in atlanta four or five years ago and it is an ungodly funny show so i think if you are a james corden fan if you are a theater fan check out nt live through fathom events at local theaters across the country
1: this is great this makes the summer even more exciting
0: yep all right jen do you want to uh close us out here
1: that's some Like a Pop for now. I'm Eponine Q on Twitter and Matt is at BWWMatt. You can always find us both on Broadway World writing about all of our current obsessions. And until next time, always remember, this is not a moment, it's a movement.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway World's Some Like It Pop podcast. You can find all of our episodes on BroadwayWorld.com and you can get new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So make sure to subscribe, download, and share the gift that is Some Like It Pop. Also, do our egos a favor and follow the show on Twitter at S L I P Podcast, and go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us, please and thank you. We invite you to get in touch with Jen and me and let us know your thoughts on the shows, movies, awards shows, Broadway plays, topics, and everything that we discuss each week. And if you need more of me in your ear holes, check out Today on Broadway from Broadway Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or BroadwayRadio.com. We will be back sometime in the near future with our next list of Palooza, where Jen and I count down our favorite Tony Awards performances of all time. So, until next time, we'll see you around the Broadway world.
1: I have so few expert categories.